0: Stop listening to the bombastic loudmouths on the radio and television and the internet. To hell with them. Yeah.
1: Hey, wait. Um...
0: Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling there's something right.
1: Bombastic.
0: I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs to the left me, to the right here i am stuck in the middle with you yep. yes, I'm stuck from
1: pacifica radio in los angeles this is the broadcast as heard on kpfk 90.7 fm in la in oregon on 91.7 fm kyAQ on the central coast 106.7 fm queso in cottage grove In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 FM WLRI, in Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM, in Palinville, New York on 102.9 FM WLPP in Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's, AM 950, KTNF. We're also heard streaming coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Deprogrammed Radio, Detour Talk, and Radio Sputnik. Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly, if confused, blogger, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us today for another thrilling, action-packed adventure that we call The Bradcast. And, uh, well, I don't know if it's thrilling. It may be action-packed, Desi Doyen. We'll <laughs> or find it, out. you know,
2: it could even be bombastic.
1: It's uh, Well, that goes without saying, doesn't <laughs> it? Uh, boy, you know, I... I I mentioned how confused I am. you know, normally, with with the madness uh, and and confusion and dysfunction that's going on in the u s. Senate today, i I might normally just sort of otherwise let things play out, cover it in detail on another day, if at all. yeah, because it's just kind of insane. It's kind
2: of kind yeah kind of
1: insane <laughs> partisan madness that I usually, you know, don't like playing along with. But, Given that we're talking about here the possibility of more than 32 million Americans losing their access to health (laughs) care, it seems kind of important. Uh, I don't know. Uh, As insane and as dysfunctional and frankly, as stupid as it all is, this one matters. This one is important. The GOP is essentially voting to harm millions of Americans. They're using the guise of of pretending to be stopping harm to Americans. They know that's nonsense. They claim that's what the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, if you prefer, they claim that's what, it, what, what that bill is doing. And they know it is not. It is the most Orwellian black is white, up is down, war is peace dysfunction that I think I have ever seen play out. In the U.S. government, I, I thought this was just me going to bed last night. I was confused as hell about how to cover what's going on. I woke up the same way today. Uh, I feel a little bit better in that it is not just me. Writing over at TPM this morning, David Kurtz said the Obamacare repeal effort is the most chaotic, rudderless, unsenate-like piece of legislating since since the House revived its bill back in May. He says, but snark aside, the level of confusion and the lack of a real plan for getting the bill, which bill, nobody knows, through the Senate, is probably unprecedented. At least nothing like it in recent memory. He says the emerging possibility now is that the Senate will pass the narrowest of repeal bills and punt the whole process to a conference committee. What that means isn't entirely certain, but lacking the votes to pass much of anything at this point, Mitch McConnell, Senate Majority Leader, is trying to buy time and muddy the waters. Well, mission accomplished there, Mr. McConnell. Once he gets to conference committee, uh, uh, David Kurtz writes, they can remake a bill in negotiations with the House and then give muscling, reluctant senators into compliance another shot later. The the vote on the motion to proceed to debate on this bill today, some bill, nobody actually knew what bill they would actually be voting on when they voted for the motion to proceed to debate on that bill. That motion successfully received the bare minimum 50, 50 votes today um, with the tie broken by Vice President Mike Pence, who serves as the Senate president. Uh, In order to break ties, the only no votes in the Republican caucus came from Senators Susan Collins of Maine and Lisa Murkowski of Alaska. Many of the Republican senators who voted for the motion to proceed today said previously that they would never do so unless there was a plan to repeal and replace Obamacare in place that they could support. But after being muscled by Senate Majority Leader McConnell and Donald Trump, uh, a bunch of these senators did so anyway on Tuesday. That includes Republican senators who said previously they would not, like Senator Dean Heller of Nevada, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, who apparently was undecided up to the last minute. He held up, uh, held up the vote. It seems as his arm was being uh, reportedly twisted, uh, and several others. Arizona Senator John McCain. Recently, out of brain surgery after being diagnosed with an aggressive form of brain cancer, received special doctor's permission to fly across the country from Arizona, uh, where he was recuperating, to return to the Senate and cast his vote to proceed to debate before offering remarks that both celebrated the U.S. Senate and slammed the processes that have been uh, taken on by all, by everybody in, in this but certainly by his own Senate leadership to shut Democrats completely out of the debate. He also slammed uh, partisans on talk radio, forcing the Senate into the corner it has now backed itself into. Uh, He pointed out that Congress and the legislative branch is a uh, constitutionally co-equal branch to the presidency. He claimed, at least, that he couldn't support any of the current versions of the bill. And he called for compromise in the Senate to resolve this mess. Here's some of Senator John McCain's remarks today.
0: That principled mindset and the service of our predecessors who possessed it come to mind when I hear the Senate referred to as the world's greatest deliberative body. I'm not sure we can claim that distinction with a straight face today. Our deliberations can still be important and useful, but I think we'd all agree They haven't been overburdened by greatness lately. And right now, they aren't producing much for the American people. Stop listening to the bombastic loudmouths on the radio and television and the internet. To hell with them. They don't want anything done for the public good. Our incapacity is their livelihood. Let's trust each other. Let's return to regular order. We've been spinning our wheels on too many important issues because we keep trying to find a way to win without help from across the aisle. We're getting nothing done, my friends. We're getting nothing done. Our health care insurance system is a mess. We all know it, those who support Obamacare and those who oppose it. Something has to be done. We Republicans have looked for a way to end it and replace it with something else without paying a terrible political price. We haven't found it yet, and I'm not sure we will. All we've managed to do is make more popular a policy that wasn't very popular when we started trying to get rid of it. I voted for the motion to proceed to allow debate to continue and amendments to be offered. I will not vote for this bill as it is today. It's a shell of a bill right now, we all know that. We've tried to do this by coming up with a proposal behind closed doors in consultation with the administration, then springing it on skeptical members, trying to convince them that it's better than nothing. That it's better than nothing? Asking us to swallow our doubts and force it past a unified opposition. I don't think that's gonna work in the end and probably shouldn't. Why don't we try the old way of legislating in the Senate? The way our rules and customs encourage us to act. If this process ends in failure, which seems likely, then let's return to regular order. Hold hearings. Try to report a bill out of committee with contributions from both sides. that might provide workable solutions to problems Americans are struggling with today. What have we to lose by trying to work together to find those solutions? This place is important. The work we do is important. We are an important check on the powers of the executive. Our consent is necessary. Whether or not we are of the same party, we are not the president's subordinates. We are his equal.
1: That was Senator John McCain speaking in the U.S. Senate today after returning from uh, from Arizona after his diagnosis of brain cancer. He had a big scar over his eye where he's uh, they, they had removed a clot above his eye, and that's when they discovered this aggressive form of brain cancer. Uh, He is now calling for a return to order, but he did vote for the bill, or at least for the motion to proceed on the bill, the bill that nobody actually knows what the bill will actually be. All of the Democratic senators voted no on the motion to proceed. So it is now proceeding with uh, that uh, that that last vote, the 51st vote cast by Vice President Mike Pence. And um, the amendment process begins for some 20 hours and then what they call Voterama will happen where a whole bunch of amendments are are put one after another from both Republicans and Democrats. Um, so that is the plan, at least as of late today, as far as I can tell. And uh, it seems to have been to get th- through that motion to proceed to a full debate Uh, on, well, whatever whatever the hell else it is that uh, Republicans decide to bring up and debate on. Yes, it is very confusing, and yes, they do have some sort of a plan. They're calling it a skinny plan. We'll take a break, come back, and talk about that skinny plan, and we'll be joined by our guest Jackie Schechner to talk about this entire fine mess. Right after this, I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Don't go away. (laughs)
2: And thanks.
1: Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from BradBlog.com. So, the Senate is proceeding. They have voted uh, their motion to proceed on debate of the health care bill. The, uh, bill to repeal and replace Obamacare or just repeal it and worry about replacing it later or something else entirely. Nobody actually knows. It's a complete mess. It's quite confusing, but I'm not the only one who's confused. All of the uh, the Senate Democrats voted no on the motion to proceed. Only 50 of the 52 Republicans voted in favor. But that was enough to uh, get Vice President Mike Pence, the president of the Senate, to break the tie and to move ahead with a motion to proceed somewhere, somehow, somewhere. We don't know. That's the plan as of late today. As far as I can tell, it seems to... uh, seems to be to get that motion through, period, and then to proceed to a full debate on something or another and then open up the floor for amendments and then after the, all of the amendments to try and change uh, the bill in some way after all of that fails. These would be amendments calling for both the straight repeal and the the replacement plan that has failed so far to get 50 Republicans on board, as well as amendments Democrats could offer To put GOP senators on the spot. Uh, After all of that, the Senate would would vote for what is being called a skinny plan or a skinny repeal to effectively repeal the employer and the individual health care mandates of Obamacare and uh, some of the some of the taxes, the unpopular medical device tax, and then just sort it all out later with the House in reconciliation in conference. It wasn't just me who was uh, confused by this. It's not just you who's confused by this. Uh, Senator Bob Corker hinted at that plan on Monday night. He told reporters at the Capitol that if we get anything out of the Senate, even if it's narrow, anything, they're happy to pass anything. He said even if it's narrow, you can then get into conference with the House. And then it seems you somehow work it out. So it's a move to essentially punt things down the road from there, it seems outside the uh, outside the Senate chamber after the motion to proceed was adopted today. As uh, as the amendment process began, Senator, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell offered a quick comment to reporters.
0: Uh, this is just the beginning. We're not out here to spike the football. This is a long way, uh, but we'll finish at the end of the week, hopefully with a measure that can either go to the House and be taken up or uh, go to conference. And uh, so we're pleased to have been able to take the first... Uh, step in that direction today
1: so this is going to go on for a week or at least throughout the rest of the week it seems what a mess joining us now to discuss this entire fine mess and what the hell is actually going on here is our friend jackie shechner longtime journalist formerly at cnn and current tv she also worked in D.C. as the National Communications Director for Health Care for America Now, the nation's largest health care reform campaign. And we often turn to her when the various fights over health care reform get so insane and so stupid that we have to say WTF uh, and hope that she can clarify it for us. Jackie Schechner, welcome back to the broadcast.
3: Well, thanks for having me. I wish it were under better circumstances, but I'm happy to be able to have this conversation.
1: for y- sure. Well, uh, we have to. Uh, it, it is something that I would frankly rather not cover because it is such a mess and it is such a partisan uh, food fight, I guess, uh, at least on the Republican side. But Yeah, as I mentioned, you know, we're talking about millions of Americans who could lose their health coverage here. So you worked to help get the Affordable Care Act through Congress uh, back in 2009, 2010, and that procedure was also quite chaotic, to be fair. Uh, But how how does it compare specifically to what you're seeing uh, now, Jackie?
3: Well, it was a long process. It involved having lots of conversations with patient advocates, with doctors, with health policy experts, with economists, uh, having the opportunity to uh, see what was being proposed each step of the way. There is this myth that things happened behind closed doors, uh, but that's not in fact the case. There was plenty of public disclosure when it came to what was up for consideration, and it took a long time. We worked I worked for Healthcare for America Now, and what I tell people is that we worked from the outside pushing the president to do what he campaigned on, which was to create a healthcare system that had a mix of public and private, that we still maintained what we needed to do in the private health insurance system because people were used to it and you can't dismantle the entire system all at once, but to introduce a public option in the mix, which would help to keep the insurance companies honest and would control costs. And so that's what we were pushing for. Uh, that's not what we necessarily got in the end. Mm-hmm. But we were aware every step of the way of where that process was, because we knew the moment that the public option died. So these were not things that happened in any sort of secrecy, and they were, it was a very inclusive process. Now, Democrats did include Republicans. They didn't necessarily accept what Republicans were proposing, because it was bad policy. But they were certainly invited to participate. So the myth that republicans were excluded is just that it's just a myth and it's circulated as if it were at some point true and it just isn't and i remember specifically when president obama held a day-long summit a bipartisan summit yeah. to listen to what republicans had to say and to address their concerns this process in contrast happened extremely quickly it happened Behind closed doors, literally, it was 13 white men who wrote a bill without having a conversation with consumer advocates, with patient advocates, with doctors, with economists, with health policy experts, let alone Democrats, Mm -hmm. and then they wonder why it's got something like Twelve percent
1: approval yeah and and that's one one of the points that uh, drives me crazy and this even when uh, John McCain was talking uh, sort of comparing this process hey this is what the Democrats did we shouldn't be doing this ourselves the Democrats say what you like about them but their process was really seems to me nothing like what we're seeing here
3: no it wasn't even close and that false equivalency is embarrassing because it's not at all what happened and I think that it's really dangerous when partisanship mm-hmm. takes over policy, and that's what's happening here. This is about Trump getting a win. He has no idea what health care is, how the health care system works. Twice now he's confused it with life insurance. He has no clue. He says things like, we're going to get a spectacular plan, or you're going to have great health care at a lower cost. Well, that's actually inherently impossible because health insurance companies are in the business of making as much money as possible for their shareholders. Like That's what they're actually required by law to do. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to offer you a really great health care plan at a lower cost. It's not a a feasible business model for them. So President Obama, I mean, excuse me, President Trump is uh, promising something that's impossible for him to deliver. He has no clue how the health care system works, and it's about notching a win. And it's about Republicans being able to create some sort of campaign ad that says, we promised to repeal Obamacare, and we took that vote. But it's not about people's lives. It's not about the system and how it works. It's not about creating policy that's actually going to work for people on a day-to-day basis. And that's the part that's so terrible about this, is it? I actually care whether people live or die. <laughs> the people who worked on healthcare reform actually care if people live or die. Imagine and how. I don't understand how you stand up and vote for a bill that's going to strip millions and millions of Americans of their access to... Quality affordable health
2: care. Well, and that, that is something that I have noticed in their rhetoric, not just with Republicans, but also with Trump, that they have dropped the part about better coverage and better access and a better deal for their health insurance coverage and their access to health care. They've completely dropped that. All they talk about now when they speak about it is about lower premiums, lower costs, lower deductibles. But of course, we all know from all of the work that you've done and Brad has done in trying to talk about this. That that lower cost means you get no coverage in exchange for it.
3: Yeah, and they go on and on about lower deductibles. You can't have uh, health savings accounts with low, like health savings accounts are tied to high deductible plans. So you have one or the other, right? Mm-hmm. You can't you can't advocate health savings accounts, which basically are tax shelters for rich people because I don't know a lot of working class people who are putting extra money aside into a health savings account. Yeah, I mean really but who has can't...
2: forty to fifty thousand dollars for a kidney transplant test, you know? So. Exactly right so you're not you're not health savings account don't
3: speak to the middle class or the working the working people of this country but you can't go on and on about how health savings accounts are going to save you because they're tied to high deductible plans so it just if you know anything about health care you, you know that it's a basic.
2: Well, premiums and,
3: and, aren't going to come down unless you're offering people a band aid. I mean, there's no there's no real health coverage that's going to be offered to you for a lower premium. It doesn't make any sense. And that right.
1: seems that's to not be not how
3: healthcare economics
1: work. And that seems to be part of uh, Ted Cruz's uh, gambit here, trying to you know we want to lower premiums, and so the way they're going to lower premiums, it seems, is by doing away with all of the requirements. Uh, for all, all health care plans under uh, under the Affordable Care Act and hey if you're not giving away uh, you know much care yeah you can sell it really cheaply and lower the premiums D- uh, D- Donald Trump your friend Jackie uh, speaking <laughs> at the White House today in a, um, uh, a joint press conference I think with the president of Libya Uh, said uh, we passed it without while he he hailed John McCain as a hero, uh, a very brave man for coming out for the vote. He said we passed it without one Democrat vote. He said it was very sad that two Republican senators, Collins and Murkowski, opposed the motion to proceed. And he called health care, quote, always difficult, a very, very complex and difficult task. But it's something I actually know quite a bit about, he said. Uh, And then he said, I want to congratulate the American people because we're going to give you great health care. That's it. I don't know if you saw those remarks. Um, Oh,
3: yeah, no, I I, I think he said spectacular at one point. Uh, Yeah, I mean, he, again, for the second time in that New York Times interview, he did it once before, he confused health insurance with life insurance. And he said something mm -hmm. about you pay $12 and then when you're 70, you get a great plan. I, I i this man knows nothing he's not intellectually curious you'd think that after the first time he made that mistake that somebody on his team would make the corrections that he didn't embarrass himself again uh, but no such luck he's 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 a moron he's not intellectually <laughs> curious he's not interested in learning anything about anything that has to do with how the mechanics of this country work, how our health care system operates the day to day lives of everyday working americans i mean I, I i really I'm at the point where i'm over mincing words and I made the mistake a little bit earlier of calling him President Trump. It's hard for me to say those two words together. (laughs) He's... He's an embarrassment. He's an embarrassment internationally. He is an embarrassment domestically, and he's going to leave us in shambles if the Republicans don't grow its spine and stand up to him.
1: Well, uh, how does... Do you know enough about... Because uh, when the Affordable Care Act passed uh, in 2010, uh, part of it was uh, was passed through this same sort of budget reconciliation where they only needed 50 votes instead of the 60 votes that would normally be required to overcome a filibuster. Now, that could only be done... This is the so-called... Bird rule, uh, and and it, it's only is supposed to only apply to things that either uh, lower the deficit or somehow raise revenue uh, to allow the Senate to pass a bill with that bare fifty-one majority uh, uh, of votes. But the Senate parliamentarian has already come out and said a whole host of things, like ten different provisions in the Republican plan. Uh, or I should say, plans uh, mm-hmm. w- would violate the Bird Rule and would not be allowed to pass via reconciliation. You know, things like um, uh, I think doing away with the uh, with the uh, individual mandate and so forth, and things like cutting Planned Parenthood funding. That would not mm-hmm. meet the Bird Rule. How do do you have any idea how Republicans can move ahead? with uh, any kind of vote that includes those measures in there that are not supposed to be allowed in this sort of a vote?
3: Yeah, I don't, I don't know how they move forward unless they take bits and pieces of the things that are being considered and try to stitch them together to get around uh, those potential pitfalls. Mm-hmm. But that's where we are at this point. We don't know what it is they're going to put up to vote on. Like, we haven't seen what the bill is, because there's conversation about repeal with no replacement. There's conversations about repeal and replace, which plenty of senators have said they can in good faith vote for. Uh, there's conversation about repeal and replace with this skinny plan you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cruz Amendment involves somehow. So I don't know. I mean, I, I would imagine that what they'll try to do is somehow maneuver the process just to get around the parliamentarians' concerns. Um, but I, I don't know, and that's where we are at this point. I mean, I think it's all kind of a big mishmash and a mystery as to what the final product's going to look like and what it is that senators are going to be voting on. Um, and that, that's where today is so ridiculous. I mean, all of these Republicans, just with the exception of Collins and Murkowski, who I have to say have, have stood firm, and mm-hmm. you know, nobody's word seems to mean anything anymore, so at least Collins and, and Murkowski have been strong enough to say this is what we feel and then act on it. But to stand up and say, let us go to debate over God knows what is probably the most cowardly thing I've ever seen after I mean, there's no there's no there's no standing up on this. And that's it's amazing
1: after the uh, motion to proceed uh, to debate today after that vote, Senator John Thune, who's the uh, third highest in the Senate uh, Republican Senate leadership, repeated once again that, quote, Obamacare is in a death spiral."
3: No, no, no. Is there well? That's
1: what I, Is there any truth to that whatsoever? I mean, I know there are. You would agree things that need to be fixed uh, regarding the Affordable Care Act, uh, and I don't know if, if it is even possible to fix those things or not. But is there any any truth to this death spiral that they keep repeating over and over again?
3: I mean, it's at the risk of being murdered, but it's not in a death spiral of its own accord. It, it's it's <laughs> been working that the problem is that it's been sabotaged along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, there are yes, there are counties that don't have access to insurers in the marketplace. But you know what? If the state legislators were working with the government and and working to try to make it happen, they could fix it. For example, in Washington, there was I think it was one or two counties that didn't have any insurers and legislators in Washington found insurance companies willing to participate and they made it happen. I mean, if, if people were actually working to see the Affordable Care Act succeed in the ways that it's, it's uh, having difficulty, it actually would be successful. But when you have the government refusing to pay insurance companies money that was promised them to help even out the marketplace in the first few mm-hmm. years, I mean, the insurance companies, of course, are going to feel like they're, they're going to raise premiums and, and they're working from a position of instability. So that's going to shake up the market. Uh, you've got You've got all sorts of, uh, ways that Republican lawmakers are attempting to sabotage the Affordable Care Act, so they can run on repeal. I mean, it's it's not dying of its own accord, and there are ways to fix it. Put a public option in there; that'll certainly help to fix it. It'll give all of these counties where people say they don't have where they don't have health insurance mm-hmm. options something to buy into. Uh, you know, if you work cost controls in, then yes, premiums won't go up as quickly. And, in fact, since the Affordable Care Act passed, Mm -hmm. um, the premiums have been going up at a slower rate than ever before. So, yeah, it seems like they're high, but they've always been really high. Uh, This isn't new, and people are just paying more attention to it now because the Affordable Care Act is in the mix. But prior to the law getting passed, premiums were skyrocketing.
1: is, Is there a way out? Uh, for Republicans, as as you see it, I know you you saw the uh, the, the John McCain uh, speech today, um, you know, calling to return to order Senate you know, regular order where things work through a committee process and take amendments and debates in committee, uh, you know, from from uh, Democrats and Republicans alike. Is there a way out politically, as you see it, Jackie Schechner, and and Desi, if you have thoughts on this as well, uh, a political way out where they can save face here and still keep their promise somehow to kill Obamacare in some fashion? Or have they just backed themselves into an impossible corner after seven years of this nonsense?
3: Well, I think McCain could have done that today by voting no and explaining why he was voting no, because you can't vote yes on a motion to proceed and then say we should go have hearings.
2: Exactly. If you want to
3: have, have regular hearings and you think the process is important and you need to keep things out in the open and transparent and you want to go back to normalcy, you don't vote yes on a motion to proceed on something you haven't seen. So he spoke out of both corners of his mouth today, and it was really
2: disingenuous. Uh, He was saying, let's return to regular order right after voting not to return to regular order. He said, oh, let's put this all into committee so we can all hash this out and work together with Democrats. Besides the fact that he spent, oh, I don't know, how many of the last several years not saying that at all. Uh, To me, it's it's the, the height of hypocrisy. And I think that the Republicans are pushing through an incredibly cynical plan that is really geared toward just getting the tax cuts for their donors Mm -hmm. and, you know, Mm -hmm. repealing Obamacare, I'm sorry, repealing the Affordable Care Act because Jackie hates
1: when you call it Obamacare.
2: (laughs) Because that is their Moby Dick. That is their white whale. They will take it down no matter what they have to. Now, yeah, I think they've painted themselves into a corner, but I think it's because they wanted to. They want to repeal Medicaid. They want to take all this Mm -hmm. away from as many Americans as they can because they're ideologically opposed to it. And the ones who aren't, the Republicans who aren't ideology, ideologically opposed to it, don't care enough to stand up.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's what's going to happen, is that they're going to go ahead and get this out of the way, for lack of a better term, because that's what they've been saying, right? Let's just get this done. Let's get it out of the way. Yeah. And then they're going to have to face the repercussions of what they've done. Because this isn't just on paper. This is a policy change that's going to impact millions of people, reg- regular people's lives. And when that ship comes in... And you've got millions of people who are going bankrupt or, frankly, dying. And people say it's hyperbolic for me to say people will die. It's not hyperbolic. People will die. Like People will not go to the doctor because they can't afford to go to the doctor. They will not go to the emergency room because they can't afford the bills. If they do go to the emergency room and they get care, they will get bankrupt. Buy that, that medical care because they won't be able to afford it. It's going to throw our system into a spiral because you're going to have a ton of uncompensated care that you have to somehow compensate for. That's going to jack up premiums for the people who are still paying private health insurance costs. I mean, you're going to really disrupt the system, and they're going to see the repercussions of that. So for them to say, let's just get it over with, like this is just the beginning of the nightmare for Republicans if they let this happen.
1: I've got just a, a few minutes here, uh, Jackie, I want to ask you about uh, two points. I want to ask you uh, some some stuff about Democrats in a second, but I want to mm-hmm. get your thought on this. Uh, Alice Olstein over at TPM is reporting that a new front has opened up in the Republicans' war on the Congressional Budget Office. That's the right. nonpartisan agency that uh, is run by a conservative Republican appointee. And that crunches the number on major numbers on major legislation like the uh, uh, the Affordable Care Act and the replacements for it. Republicans are furious that the CBO keeps coming out with these numbers that twenty two million will lose their health care. thirty two million will lose their health care, depending on, you know, which version they're talking about. And so now they're basically talking about, stripping the CBO of $15 million in funding and firing 89 of its staff members. And instead of having the CBO put out a score, an analysis for uh, these bills, instead, um, this is uh, Mark Meadows, the uh, Freedom Caucus Chair Mark Meadows from North Carolina, Said uh, they ought to CBO ought to just be aggregators. We ought to take a score from Heritage Foundation, from oh, AEI, God. from Brookings, from the Urban Institute. Bring them together for a composite score, and that would represent a wide swath uh, of of their abilities. We think that's a pragmatic way to rely on the private sector and let Congress rely on a score that is. Accurate. They say the CBO is not accurate. We should just aggregate everyone else's sco- uh, uh, score. Your thoughts on that, Jackie Schechner?
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, they're taking a page out of the Donald Trump playbook. The CBO is perfectly fine when it benefits them, but it's total disaster when it's something that comes out against what they're fighting for. Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't. I don't have any words because we're we're heading quickly into an authoritarian regime at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're taking away the money that funds independent analyses and agencies, if you're trying to get rid of government as we know it and the systems of checks and balances as we know it, I mean, I don't I don't know what's at the other end of this. It's dangerous and it's dark. Um, and it's terrifying. And you start to attack the institutions that add even the slightest levels of autonomy and uh, nonpartisanship. I you know i i don't know what the end goal is other than to try to create some sort of authoritarian regime it it's it's terrifying it really is I, and i i don't say that lightly but i just it it's stripping government uh to the point where it can't function as anything uh but this kind of one party uh totalitarian existence it it's it's frightening
1: well, we always have Democrats to uh, to to fight back and to uh, <laughs> exactly. take care of things and and in fact, the Democrats rolled out their the beginning of their 2018 strategy uh, this week with a uh, well, a what they're describing as a populist program and a slogan that they call, quote, a better deal." They're promising a job. How did
3: you know to ask me
1: about this? Uh, They are promising a jobs program, uh, uh, ending uh, corporate mega-mergers. Minority Minority Leader Chuck Schumer said on one of the Sunday shows this week that uh, things like single-payer and a Medicare buy-in or Medicare for those uh, 55 and older is all on the table. Single-payer is on the table, Jackie Schechner. Do you get the sense that Democrats are finally responding to demands from their base, or are they still not getting it?
3: They're still not getting it. I mean, I, you know, look, Republicans ran on seven years of hating Obama mm-hmm. and anger and outrage, and they turned out people at the polls, right? And they, they, they fought. And people liked that fight. And Democrats somehow think that not having an economic message is what killed them. Like, that's not how it works, and that's not what killed them. Like, coming out now and being soft and, like, all kumbaya and holding hands is not going to get them the win. People want Democrats to be tough. People want Democrats to fight for what's right. People want Democrats to to be strong in opposing the Trump agenda. Like, that's what we need right now. We We need a party of people who are strong enough to stand up and say none of this. And I think rolling out and like people aren't paying attention to the details. They don't want to see a white paper on your economic policy. Like right. this is not where it is. It's not how people pay attention. They elected a reality TV host for God's sake. Like, they're just not interested in, in your ten point economic plan. Like I just think the Democratic Party is missing the messaging boat.
1: What this. what ought they be doing? What ought their message uh, be at this point? As you see it, Jack?
3: We're not going to stand for this. This is not our country. We're going to fight every step of the way. We don't believe in, in Trump and this Republican ob- uh, uh, obstructionism, and I mean they just need to fight right now. Like rolling out a plan right now is not the answer, and people know what Democrats stand for. This isn't a question of what do Democrats stand for; it's a question of do Democrats stand up for the people who support them.
1: I, I will say, I think, yeah, go ahead.
3: Go ahead. What? No, I was just say right now people just need to know that the Democrats have a backbone. And like they're they're nicer people they're better people we know they care about things like the environment and health care and uh you know minimum wage and like we know that's what the Democratic Party stand for nobody's shrouded in mystery over that
1: well i right? would I would a, I would only argue but, Jackie to say that uh we we know those things you mentioned that they believe in, but what are they going to do about it? What is their plan? If if we are elected, if you give us the, the, the majority in the House and Senate, here is what we will do. Here is the bill we will pass. I mean, it does go back to, you know, Newt Gingrich's uh, contract with America back in the 90s. A lot of people obviously called that a contract on America, but it was quite brilliant in that it said give us the majority and we will do these 10 things they didn't end up doing it etc but (laughs) at least it told people what they wanted to do what they what you know they were promising and i'm not sure democrats are doing that even though we know they're you know they're in favor of the environment this and that but what will you actually do about it will you put up single-payer, Medicare for all, public option, will you put that up for a vote? Will you pass that? I think that could make a, a, a difference in their fortunes.
3: Yeah, but then get specific. Yeah. You know, like, get specific yeah. and say, you know, here's what we're going to do. We're going to raise the minimum wage so that you got... I mean, I think what they need to do is is bullet-point it in a very... Not what bills we're going to pass, necessarily, but, like, here was... Because Trump didn't get elected on what bills he was going to pass. He said, repeal Obamacare, bring back jobs, I, mm-hmm. I don't whatever else, is, it all blends together at this point, but a gazillion yes. promises he made, and he had no intention of keeping any of them, right? So mm-hmm. it, it, it's basically kind of putting forward what the party as a whole stands for and then picking a couple of things that, that you know people will get behind. But I just think rolling out these, like, slogans and, ac- and messages, like, it's look where we are right now, I and mean, we're so far away from the next election cycle, nobody's going to remember this.
1: A better deal. This
3: is not where we need to spend. Yeah, but nobody's going to remember it. That's a it's
1: better <laughs> deal. How could you be against a better deal? Uh, I'm I got, not against it. I, I don't know. think
3: it's a poor messaging strategy right now. I don't <laughs> think this is
2: where the energy needs to be spent. All
3: right, well, I got
1: one last question for Jackie, but I know yeah, you had a thought. Quick, yeah, real uh, quick.
2: I agree with you that uh, I don't. I think that right now, also the Dems have a problem with credibility. That they have talked a good yeah. game for a long time, but then when it comes down, when push comes to shove, they vote and have voted in the past for a long time for. Corporate strategies and for free yeah. market and neoliberal stuff that that hasn't helped the middle class, and I think people have caught on to that. That it's if you've got a lot of talk and a lot of bluster, nobody cares. They need to follow up like now with action yeah. to regain credibility.
3: Well, there's a little bit of that too, absolutely. I mean, I think that that's part of it, right? Is that if you're going to be a Democrat and people vote for you to, to to fulfill the Democratic promise and the things that we care about, then stop towing the line and, and moving to the middle where you've got you know, playing into corporate hands. I I get that, too. There's a lot of frustration with that.
1: All right, last question. There's an
3: opportunity for the progressive, you know, the progressive half of the party or (laughs) however much we have at this point uh, to, to push, Like Obviously, this middle isn't working.
1: Well, the progressive half of the uh, of the party uh, makes up, frankly, a majority of the nation uh, who is in favor of all sorts of progressive policies that Democrats would be wise to take notice of. Before I let you go, I got to get out of here, Jackie. But uh, from someone who worked with advocates uh, for health care reform back in uh, 2009, 2010, during the passage of the Affordable Care Act, what should the public be doing right now here to affect what is going on this week in in the senate uh and then in the congress in in the coming weeks what what will have the biggest effect uh on the people who are making decisions here
3: calling voting uh you know not well you can't vote right can't now can't vote this week calling, right right <laughs> But calling and and showing up—if there are uh, rallies, if there's actions, if there's ways to show these members of Congress—I mean, the Democrats are in a, in the good in a right place right now. And I don't know how many of your listeners are on the other side of the aisle, but the idea is to turn out uh, turn out voices so that these members of Congress understand that they're supposed to represent people, and these people are not going to vote for them next time around. I mean, we need people who rely on the Affordable Care Act, who rely on access to Medicaid, who rely on all of the good things the Affordable Care Act did uh, to show up and say, don't take this away from me. I mean, now is the time to speak up. It's not going to happen without you. So especially if you're in a red state, you need to show up and you need to turn out and you need to make your voice heard.
1: Jackie Schechner. You can and should follow her on the Twitters at Jackie Schechner, where she is, uh, uh, well, been on on fire and furious of late for <laughs> some down? reason. I don't know why. Jackie, uh, really appreciate you uh, making some sense of this for us today because uh, it's confusing as hell. And I'm glad to know I'm not the only one here who is mystified by what the hell is going on. I really? will
3: always be
1: the best I can. <laughs> You're awesome. Thanks, Jackie. My
3: pleasure, guys.
1: Okay, that's not the only insane thing that's going on in Washington, D.C. today. You, Wait, you there's would, more? Yeah, you would think that would be enough. Oy. And it is enough, more than enough for me. But no, that's apparently not enough for, for our president. So a uh, quick break, and we're back with some more insanity right here on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. <laughs> making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate and thanks.
0: Nobody told me that it is like these. They didn't.
1: They didn't tell me.
0: Nobody told me that it is like
1: these. I had no idea. Nobody told me that
0: Welcome
1: like Welcome back to the Bradcast.
0: Strange days
1: indeed. Yep. Brad Friedman from Bradblog. Com here on Strange Days. And it gets even stranger. I gotta say, you know, I wanted to focus on that healthcare care, Des, because that's going to affect 32 million Americans who could lose their healthcare entirely.
2: And restructure, what, a fifth of the economy?
1: Something like that. So kind of important. But at the same time, this Donald Trump, Jeff Sessions thing, this is just getting insane. Uh, you've got Donald Trump going after his own attorney general. Jeff Sessions, who was his biggest supporter, one of his biggest supporters, his first big supporter uh, from the U.S. Senate during the campaign. Trump is just absolutely blistering the guy in tweets, in comments, uh, and there's a pretty clear purpose here, I think. President Donald Trump said on Tuesday that he was, quote, disappointed with Attorney General Jeff Sessions but declined to say that he would fire him. That came after another morning of tweets attacking his own attorney general and what now seems to be a pretty transparent effort to force him to resign without actually having to fire him. I think that's kind of where we are. He said uh, this was a, uh, a joint news conference with The Lebanese prime minister earlier, I think I said Libya, um, Trump said, quote, I am disappointed in the attorney general. He should not have recused himself. That after uh, just hours after a bunch of uh, his latest tweets that were targeting Sessions, if he's going if he was going to recuse himself, he should have told me prior to taking office. And I would have quite simply picked someone else, Trump said yet again. When he was pressed further on whether he wants Sessions to resign, Trump simply added uh, once more that he is, quote, very disappointed in Sessions. But we'll see what happens. Time will tell. Time will tell, the president said. So uh, time will tell. Time will tell because uh, what's what's going on is that uh, the Senate is going to be on recess soon. And well, I'll explain that in a second. But earlier in the day, um, the White House communications director, Anthony Scaramucci, the Mooch, defended uh, Trump's public critiques of Sessions, saying that Trump wants his cabinet secretaries to have his back. So this is not just a cabinet secretary. This is the attorney general of the Department of Justice, which at least in theory is supposed to have some form of some measure of independence from the White House for what one would think should be obvious reasons, so that they're independent from the president, so that they can investigate presidents like Donald Trump, like Barack Obama, like Bill Clinton, like George W. Bush, etc. And uh, this, this, this morning uh, and uh, yesterday he was tweeting, he was calling his attorney general beleaguered. Today he called him very weak on Twitter. So Scaramucci said, we'll get a resolution shortly. So what does that mean? Well, one thing that it could mean is that the Senate is supposed to go into recess in mid-August, at which time Trump could both fire Jeff Sessions and immediately replace him with a recess appointment, who would not have to go through Senate confirmation, would not have to be asked, hey, if we confirm you, uh, will you promise not to fire the special counsel, Robert Mueller, who's investigating Team Trump. Uh, He would get to avoid that entirely with a recess appointment, who uh, would stay in the job until the end of 2019. And so he could basically fire Jeff Sessions, hire anybody he wanted to take his place. Don Jr., maybe? He could could hire Don Jr., that's right. Uh, Someone who he knew, anyone who he knew, would then go and fire the special counsel. Now, that can only work if Mitch McConnell um, does not keep the session nominally open during the August recess. That's what he did when Obama was in office to prevent Obama from making any recess appointments. So McConnell, if he wanted to, if he wanted to take a page from Well, from John McCain earlier, who was, you know, saying, hey, we are not subordinate to the president. Congress is a co-equal branch with the executive branch. If Mitch McConnell wanted to do that, wanted to prevent the subversion of justice, the obstruction of justice that would come with firing the attorney general. And here I can't believe I'm defending Jeff Sessions. I'm defending keeping Jeff Sessions in place.
2: Strange days, indeed. Yes.
1: Uh, You know, anyway, Mitch McConnell could keep the Senate open and keep Trump from doing that. But I think that's where all of this is headed. Seems pretty clear when he says when uh, Trump says cryptically, time will tell, time will tell. When Scaramucci says we'll get a resolution shortly. GOP senators uh, have countered Trump's criticism today. They've had they shown an outpouring of support for Jeff Sessions, who I will add once again does not deserve that support. Nonetheless, Republican senators have uh, have given that support to Sessions. Several have released statements backing Jeff Sessions and his recusal his decision to recuse uh, from the uh, Trump-Russia investigation and praising his work as the attorney general. Now, for anyone to say Jeff Sessions shouldn't have recused himself is ridiculous. He is obviously. He was part of the campaign. He had meetings with uh, Russian ambassadors that he did not disclose to me. That's the biggest thing. All of these, I don't frankly care about these meetings, at least the ones we've learned of to date. But the fact is, they won't disclose them. They keep lying about them. Um, you know, Jeff Sessions lied on his uh, on his, his his security clearance form. So yeah, he's a part of this. And so, yes, it's appropriate that he's been recused. Uh, But uh, Donald Trump is playing a very, very strange and disturbing game at this point.
2: I think it's a very dangerous game as well, because remember, in the Nixon years, Nixon kept going through the hierarchy of the Department of Justice, firing people or forcing them yeah. to resign and until he could find someone to stop the special investigation uh, into Watergate. So it looks like, you know, if this is what Trump's plan is, is this not similar to when he fired James Comey, the former FBI course, director, yes. and said I wanted to essentially stop it, the Russia investigation. Isn't this obstruction of justice And if that's he why
1: And that's why he doesn't want to do it. That's why he wants him to resign. That's why he is haranguing him. he was his one of his closest pals uh through throughout the campaign. So to say all of a sudden, oh, he's very weak. he's terrible. he's this and that. this is only this is. This is meant to harangue him into resigning.
2: Yeah, and I think uh, McConnell, I would like to think that McConnell and Senate Republicans would stand up to that if it came to that. But (laughs) after today, Oh, oh, you're serious? I know, I know. And, and of course, they have an agenda. They have somebody who will sign their bills if they can get them through. So I'm sure they will... Put up with whatever they have to to get those tax cuts and all of the entitlements. They, says they, they call they'd they have it,
1: by the way, if uh, if they impeached Donald Trump, they'd get Mike Pence and he'd be a hell of a he'd sign everything. He'd sign more and he would not be insane to work with. So yeah,
2: it's weird.
1: They could uh, they could, uh, you know, prove themselves to not be the clowns they appear to be if they took some action here and began impeachment hearings. Uh, in the meantime, Anthony Scaramucci, the uh, the new communications director for President Trump, uh, hired to overhaul the White House communications opera- uh, operation. Uh, Washington Post reported late last night that he is exercising a broad mandate from the president and intends to follow through on threats to purge aides he believes are disloyal to Donald Trump and who are leaking to the press. That... According, with official, according to officials with knowledge of the fast-moving efforts <laughs> on Monday. Yes, uh, the Post reports just four days into the job, Scaramucci has moved into Trump's inner sanctum and is now described by, by colleagues as almost family to the president, in contrast to his pres- predecessor, outgoing Press Secretary Sean Spicer, who was described more like the help as they describe it in the Washington Post. Scaramucci is meeting one-on-one with aides in an effort to understand each person's contributions, weed out those he determines are not working hard enough to defend the president through the crises besieging the White House, according to several of the officials (laughs) who are leaking all of this. They spoke on the condition of anonymity. The potential shakeup has exacerbated long-simmering tensions between Scaramucci and the chief of staff, Reince Priebus, according to people familiar with the dynamic, it's leaking like a sieve still. Uh, an informal list of names, including several officials who previously worked under Priebus and Spicer at the RNC, has been circulating among uh, Scaramucci allies as those whose job may be in jeopardy. He uh, Scaramucci's planned... Overhaul, the Washington Post says, is likely to leave Priebus even more isolated in the West Wing. The president's chief of staff is regarded as isolated here. Um, Scaramucci did not request uh, did not respond to request for comment for this story, but other White House officials did, as well as (laughs) outside Trump loyalists. Uh, describing uh, uh, Scaramucci's efforts so far. Uh, And uh, he has apparently sent the message over the weekend that if you are leaking, prepare to be fired.
2: Wow. Scaramucci should be careful because pretty much folks like Priebus and Sessions, folks who have uh, tossed their lot in with Trump, end up getting dragged out.
1: It never ends well, does it?
2: It doesn't seem to.
1: But we must end, and we will end well. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my guest today, Jackie Schechner, and to you for spending a portion of today with us. It's greatly appreciated, as ever. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. Hopefully we can open the phone lines for change tomorrow if the radio gods are with us. Find, follow, and share us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at simply the BradBlog. And as ever, thanks of, uh, to those of you who support what we do here by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. It is greatly appreciated. That's it. Uh, we'll be back with you tomorrow. Until then, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.
0: Nobody told me this-